Welcome to Telling the Tale. It's the podcast where we're going to go through every single Telltale video game. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm joined, as always, by... Dustin Corn Elias Jackson. Dustin Cornelius Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know what? I'm feeling... I, I got like a vibe in me. I got some juice going on today. I'm glad you do, because it's a little rainy outside, and um, I haven't talked to anyone else today yet. <laughs> I'm the so, first? You're the first? You're my oh, first? Oh my goodness. You, you know what? I, th- I think that might explain it, because for me, it's a day of hope. Because mm. it feels like the sun is out a little bit and it's melting all of this god awful snow away. I like the snow. Mm. <laughs> it was really hot yesterday. I wish it was here. It was in, Get, it was like in the eighties. That rules. I wish we had that. I I wore, I, hate, I wore a jacket outside and I started sweating. I hate snow so much. At least when it's on the roads. If it's if it minds its manners and stays on grass then it's fine it's i can live with it but we had so much snow over like the last week that there was just no getting out of our driveways and the roads are better today which i'm so thankful for but boy is snow any any winter i'm so nervous that we're gonna get like the worst snow ever and boy did we get it this year uh, maybe you need to just get into some winter sports. You ever just, uh, snowboard? You ever ski? You're right, Mitchell. The problem is me. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But, uh, <laughs> have you ever snowboarded or skied? I have not. Well, then it, it, it does fucking sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be able to drive, Mitchell. It just seems like you haven't tried to enjoy yourself, so you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Today we want to talk about Minecraft Story Mode Season 2 Episode 3 Jailhouse Block Released on September 19th, 2017 Directed by Chris Reiser Designed by Stephen McManus and Matt Almer And written by Adam Esquenazi Douglas Ooh, that's three names Yeah Good for him Yeah, he's, he's got a first, middle, and last Like a little name sandwich in there uh, this was an interesting episode, I thought, in that it was very contained in one um, sort of location, uh, and, and it's a completely new location, um, mm-hmm. although it's not like a cutaway story like some of the ones in the last season were, where we just got like, oh, this is its own little story, like it's firmly part of the same story, but it's a... Uh, um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's not a bottle episode because a bottle episode implies like, oh, we're going to the same location. We've we've been like a cheap location, so we can just do one room. And this is a huge place. It's just, yeah, lots uh, of rooms. It's yeah. it, but it is all just in one area. I I mean, maybe there is just no name for it. Maybe it's just oh, this episode is just in it one is area. unique in its setting. I, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, uh, I liked this episode. I had I thought this was a great episode. I had a good time with, uh, especially since I was so down on the last episode. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't like hate it, but this episode I thought was a, an improvement. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, we get a little bit more of the uh, the lore. We get a little bit more characterization on what the admin's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, our main characters develop a little bit further. 
there is a choice where you have to either save a person or a llama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really got everything. It's it, it's quite a choice. And I will say, it is a choice that made me think. It made me think for a second. And what I was mainly thinking of was, could this possibly be more complicated than I think it is? <laughs> See, I thought it was I going to be. I should definitely save the guy, I think. <laughs> why is why not? I asked myself and I couldn't think of a reason, so I did it. Um yeah, I mean, let's I guess we can just jump right into it. We're already beating around yeah. the bush. So, you yeah, have to I, I, choose <laughs> to save either Nerm or Luna the llama. Mhm. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the episode, rather, I did choose Nerm, but I did stop and think about it for a little bit because I was like, well, Stella told me to take care of this llama. Yeah, but if I don't I... like her. Right, but if you don't, it could have some major consequences down the line, too. I felt like, oh, she could, it's possible that some that could make her do something really bad in the future. Um, But, you know... Obviously, I'm going to save the guy, Nerm. Especially it's, if it's Nerm. Nerm's great. Yeah. I love yeah, his big lo- nose. Uh, yeah, he, he's a villager. We love him. Um, yeah. Nerm is also um, heavily implied, I think, to be romantically involved with Jack. Yeah, you get uh, a line in this episode that I think kind of seals it. Uh, do we? Uh, yeah, it? it's it's kind of mentioned offhand, and I didn't write the exact quote down, but uh, Jack um, says, like, oh, uh, my Nermsy, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Jesse, while trying to talk Nerm into not leaving him there, because Nerm, like, offers to, you, someone needs to stand on these tiles, is the uh-huh. deal. Uh, yeah. If no one stands on them, the entire place explodes. Yeah, and you're tricked by uh, the person who was originally in there, Prisoner X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but only one person needs to stay there, so there's no use, like, everyone biting the bullet. Either you can tell Nerm to stay there, or you can tell Luna to stay there. And Nerm, like, I, it's not... If it's not a fair choice because like <laughs> he's a guy. <laughs> right. I mean that's what it came down to for me, but I did need to think about like what would the outcome be for each one? If I save Nerm, it's possible Stella could go crazy and like try to kill you in some way. Yeah. But But then like, Jack could also do that. Exact that's exactly what I was getting to. So I you know, obviously you're gonna save the guy, but yeah, Jack's also just like there. If Stella's going to get mad at you, that's going to be, like, later. That's, like, a later thing. But Jack is, like, part of your team. You don't want to lose, like, two members of your team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I just wonder if, like, Telltale's trying to use the fact that Nurm is not human, he's a villager. I was about to say, it's funny as... how they're both kind of on the same level uh, speech-wise, Nerm and this llama just both kind of make sounds. Yeah, Nerm goes like, but, but it's still 
like there's people on on earth that i don't understand what they're saying because they don't speak my language and i don't just think it's animal sounds right no exactly (laughs) i just think it's funny how uh i i wonder if it was that was the point like they're like it has to be nerm and this llama because they both communicate in a way that jesse doesn't necessarily understand i feel like it would be a lot more weighted if it was like petra or the llama i think what what it really is is it's cheapest for writing because they both don't have dialogue that's true that is true yeah we're gonna have to choose to bring one or the other and it could have been either one uh so it's the characters that don't say anything (laughs) and here's the thing uh Nerm, even though Jesse can't understand Nerm, you still like, or, or maybe he does understand Nerm because it sounds like he's like, no, I'm, I'm not leaving you here, Nerm. I, I know you're saying you should stay, but like, obviously they can understand Nerm. Yeah, I think they do. I, I think Jesse yeah. does. But the llama's just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I think is so funny. So this wasn't the choice I made, but um, ja- er, Jack, I forget if it's Jack or Nerm. I think it was Jack who was like, how did you choose? Why did you choose to save Nerm? Well, it's definitely Nerm? Jack because Nerm doesn't talk. Right. I guess that would make sense. Um, and so I chose, we'll come back for Luna. We'll Somehow we'll come back and save Luna. But one of the choices is, I saved a person over a llama. Yeah, <laughs> I I also said what you said, but I, I wrote down, I chose a friend over a llama. <laughs> I, re- I was really tempted to say that because that is how I felt. That's <laughs> right. I just didn't want to be a jerk. Like if I could save both, I would. I would be like, yeah, no, we got to save Luna. I, I don't want to like kill a llama. Yeah, I, I chose your significant other over uh, someone we don't like's pet. right but it's not the llama's fault the llama's always been cool like the The llama has not been cool the llama's been shitty and spitty at me the whole time right i guess that's true but uh, you know there's been times where you can tell that luna like does not like this relationship with stella it's not like this is an evil llama no it's it's more of just a a mistreated llama yeah it's and now you're mistreating (laughs) it more yeah, definitely alignment is chaotic fauna. Uh, just <laughs> just some uh, very disinterested llama stuff going on in this episode. So, okay, here's, here's the whole premise of this episode, top to bottom. I, I'm not going to go through the story, but um, I'll, I'll go through the premise. The admin at the end of the last episode put you in prison. All of you are in prison. It's Jesse, Petra, Radar, Nerm. Um, I think that that's the group. And then uh, Stella and Luna have come just because they, they've chosen to uh, because they're seduced by the power of the admin. And the admin, uh, it, it, it's a it's a jail. It's like a other dimensional jail right. uh, where the admin puts people that he finds troublesome. Yeah. Uh, Lots you... of weird creatures. Yeah, eventually you learn that there's this low, uh, lower level of the jail called the uh, zombie mines, where they're mining zombies. Uh, for what <laughs> purpose? There's no purpose. Just for fun? Uh, for It's to make them have a hard job. <laughs> right. Is the purpose. Uh, and 
below that, there's a prison for a prisoner named Prisoner X, who you reckon can get you out of there. So you try to uh, free Prisoner X, which is where the Llama Nerm conversion therapy meeting <laughs> happens. Um, and then we, uh, we, we break out toward um we, we we eventually find a hole in the bedrock which is like the bottom of minecraft that you're not supposed to be get, uh, able to get through right um and and you you go through it and that's the end of the episode all right so let's get into our segments yeah <laughs> um yeah so so like along the way there's a lot of uh like weird political stuff that happens with the warden of the jail mm-hmm. uh, prisoner x is named zara who it turns out she was the previous admin before uh, the current admin, who we learn is named Romeo, um, took what a name office. Yeah, what a what a what an interesting kind of loaded name. Yeah, for that. It's um. Do you know any Romeos in real life? Uh, not no, I do not. Yeah, I know I know a Roman. That's the uh, the closest. Yeah, that's uh, almost there. I I know uh, I've met a lot of people named Juliet. Juliet seems to have uh, kept its name status, but yeah, like as a name, if you say Romeo, I'm only gonna think of Romeo and Juliet, um, or or like a sarcastic like way to go there, Romeo. <laughs> yeah, but that's still like you just fucked up on a relationship thing. Yeah, exactly. So still harkening back to Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah, but like that's probably like the most common use for it i would hear these days and even that's not like something people say a lot yeah like when someone's being a romeo they're trying to be romantic or dating a 14 year old it's <laughs> yeah. one of the two um, <laughs> and this the, the admin i doesn't feel like nothing we've been given so far uh implies the use of that name so that's an it's an interesting narrative choice i guess yeah, I mean, I guess he has to be named something. Yeah. What if it is just like, well, we could name him Romeo or Richard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, well, if it was Richard, I wouldn't have asked this question. Right. What? Well, maybe it, it could be Richard. Yeah, maybe they just wanted like a name that's a little unconventional. Yeah, uh, a name to make him stand out a little bit. Yeah, it's got a bit of a flair on it, and he's yeah. he's got the, uh, he, he has a theatrical edge to him, this character, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the, the setting? The Sunshine Institute is the name of the prison. They hate the word prison, but it's a prison. So, I liked it. I think we were worried last episode that it was just going to be, like, another temple. And yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it is, it is, like, a place they're stuck in, but I didn't get you know temple vibes they sell the prison vibe pretty well yeah it feels very different from a a temple real until they go to the prisoner x cell that feels like a temple right um, but, but i can forgive it for like five minutes yeah then they go outside which is like a maze and that feels different too mm-hmm. um they they are now exploring below the bedrock in the next episode we'll have to wait and see if that feels like a temple, man, we're gonna be on temple watch for the rest of this season. Yeah, I, I've got my spider senses raised for temples. <laughs> After the season, though, we just have um, Batman, which I don't think is gonna have a temple. 
and Walking Dead, which I don't think is going to have a temple. So we might be uh, approaching the last of the temples. Maybe they just wanted to get them all out of their system. Yeah, and then even if we do Hector and Wolf Among Us 2, that's like a, a, a line of the four things that don't have temples, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably is the key word. We never know. Yeah. I mean, Batman kind of had a temple at the end of the first season where there was just a weird temple under Arkham Asylum for some reason. That's that's true. I, t- I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I did get Batman vibes from this episode. It reminded me of uh, episode four, was it? With John Doe. Especially when the uh, the guests, as they're called, they call the prisoners the guests. Uh, mm. Once the, uh, the warden's kind of taken out of commission, the guests are just running around going crazy. Yeah, there's there's so many of those like little similarities of like, oh, I have seen prisoners take over a prison, which is a a little bit of a trope, but it's not like it happens in every story. No, uh, I mean this is only the a few times in doing this podcast. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. not like a lot. Like I'm not I didn't see this and say like, "Oh, enough with the prison breaks already." Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. like the temples. Um but, yeah, you know, I thought this episode was exciting enough. I had a good time with it. Yeah. Is that what we're here to do? I had a have good time. Have fun? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here to have fun. Um, Some of the prisoners here are kind of like... They're kind of my least favorite kind of a reference. Oh, really? Where it's just like, oh, this character is supposed to be this other character. Oh, sort of. yeah, like that painter guy. Yeah, there's a painter prisoner who is Bob Ross and talks yeah. uh, not really like Bob Ross talks, but kind of in a way, it feels like an impression of impressions of Bob Ross. Right. Uh, where he's just talking about happy little anything, in, where <laughs> Bob Ross called a tree a happy little tree maybe once, and then that's, that's like this guy, it's like now. every sentence. And then there's uh, there's another guy who's definitely Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption, um, but he's he's not acting like Morgan Freeman in that movie. He's just being a narrator, like Morgan Freeman also is sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, and then one of the one of the uh, Oxblood, I think, is his name. He just uh-huh. is Hellboy. I thought that the whole time. Yeah, and it like doesn't come up that like he is Hellboy. Like, you have Hellboys in this. <laughs> There's just Hellboys in Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It, there just are Hellboys in Minecraft, I guess. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird choices all around. I will say I like Oxblood though. He had more to his character at least. Yeah, I, I liked Oxblood. There's a <laughs> there's a uh, a moment where you find out that he's got again a Shawshank Redemption thing, um, a secret like tunnel coming out of his cell. Uh huh. And in that tunnel coming out of his cell, he keeps a mushroom, which is a cow that grows mushrooms on it. And um, he loves this mushroom more than anything. Yeah. Um. And and like later in the episode. After you go and uh, rescue Prisoner X, you come back up and you just see him like strolling along in the halls and he goes, G-E-O-F-F, that spells my best friend. (laughs) 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 Just talking about his mushroom friend. 
I wish he became part of our team. I would have loved to have this guy along with his mushroom, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I believe, the first time and only time you're given the context of what his name is, too. Uh, <laughs> the, the mushroom, I mean. Yeah. yeah. You would not have known his name is Jeff spelled weirdly, if not for the <laughs> fact that he sings a song about it. I'm glad I'm glad he came and sang us this little song so we knew who his best friend is. <laughs> uh yeah, he's great. Um Yeah. I so there's a, a line. I know we don't do linguistic gymnastics as often anymore, but boy, one line just killed me in this episode from Radar. Um So at one point the warden is telling him like, "Oh yeah, we have your dumb little friends here to make sure you don't act out of line." And so he calls up Radar, and he has something called the Iron Breath Taker. And he's going to put Radar in it. <laughs> and Radar sees it, and he just goes, Oh! Gulp! <laughs> he does a fake gulp. He says <laughs> gulp in a panicked fashion. <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. R- Radar is starting to really... Like I'm not a fan. Real, that's so funny. I I I'm Team Radar all the way now. Radar goes through a mini fake character arc in this episode, <laughs> where he, he decides because he's kind of a weakling and you need to fight over food in this place in order to eat. He's like, I'm gonna man up. I'm gonna tie a bandana around my head. I'm prison radar now. I'm different. And like, he just, <laughs> it lasts maybe three conversations. And he keeps going like, yeah, you, you gotta toughen up or, or get t- toughened on. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and like that's, get tough or get the hell out. <laughs> and I would like to leave. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was. I just said this character annoys me now. Uh, I get because, that. Like it started with a guy. Like radar was originally pitched in this game as like, hey, this character is. A little weak and a little cowardly, but they have real aims for becoming a hero and respect heroism, and they they want to like put the work in, right. and uh, they they want more responsibility so they can prove themselves. And I thought that was great. I love that. Uh, and then now it's like radar. Radar actually is a little weakling. <laughs> hey, and, he's and a trying. little shitty. Yeah, he was given opportunities to prove himself, and he's proved that, no, you were right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I don't know. He's making me laugh. I liked his his fucking gulp. (laughs) Um, Also, Petra was in this whole episode uh, with me, although... She was not for me, but she did show up halfway through. That, okay, that makes a ton of sense. I hadn't thought about it that way, because uh, for... For me, uh, the admin's new, like, carrier of the gauntlet he's trying to be friends with is Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, it's, it's Petra, I guess, right? Right. Yeah, the, it, it, I doubt anything significantly changes because while Petra's in the prison, uh, I was thinking, like, yeah, she's here, but this character's really been relegated to the background, huh? Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, like, oh, yeah, because it could have been a different person. Right. That's, yeah. that's why she's not doing anything at all. Yeah. So for me, Romeo was uh, 
he shows up about partway and he's like, gotta say, Jesse, not a fan of what you're doing here. Uh, and he brings Petra with him to and makes Petra fight Jesse. Uh, so she fights him a little, but then she's like, uh, hey, Jesse, trust me, uh, I'm gonna back up towards this, uh, fuckhead, and we're just gonna both stab him at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, so that happens, uh, Romeo poofs their swords away and says, uh, no, actually, you're not, sorry. Yeah, Jack does the exact same thing. It's, like, down to the wording. And I doubt anything afterwards is that different. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. Uh the Romeo himself takes the gauntlet back and he transforms himself into Jesse at that yeah. point. Um mm-hmm. and, and Patton Oswald, I think, does a really good same voice, different use of that voice. Right. Character. Same voice, but now I'm evil. I'm secretly evil under the he, skin. Yeah, he does he uh he's good at malice, which I really wouldn't have expected from Patton Oswald. It's not his uh his uh typecast, I guess. But he, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you don't you don't hear him as like actually threatening villains very often. Yeah. Um Yeah, and that that's sort of the status quo. Uh Romeo is going to go to um Beacon Town and rule as Jesse cuz everyone loves Jesse. And I I think you're kind of getting the the sense like Oh, his whole thing is just he wants to have friends and be liked, and he does not know how to do that. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and meanwhile, the the crew is um, exploring below the bedrock for some reason. It, we don't know why that <laughs> is yet. Um, but it, they were told to do that by Zara. Zara being the previous admin is, was kind of a, an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about the concept that there could be other people in the role because I just uh-huh. kept thinking about the admin as a person. Yeah, you think like, oh, admin is like the all-powerful being. So why would there be multiple of them? Yeah, which makes sense because like in I I really hadn't thought about it as just like, hey, he straight up just is the server's admin. Uh right. which means that other people could be an admin and also he's just a regular player. He just sets the rules. He's got near infinite power, kind of, in that like he decides what the rules are, but there's still rules that apply to everyone, including themselves. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah, that that um that that makes the role of the admin, I, I think, a little bit more interesting. I, I think I'm on board with the admin as a villain now. It took three yeah. episodes, but I'm now <laughs> I'm now like pretty interested in seeing that be resolved. I, yeah. I think that's working out. I agree. I think it's an uh, interesting take, an interesting thing to do for a Minecraft game. Do you think he would be interested in the sport of axe throwing? No. Why not? Uh, well, you know, maybe. Maybe if he thought it would get him some friends. You think he just, he wouldn't like it otherwise, though? Well, it's hard to say because his whole thing has been like... I am going to set the rules i'm gonna make challenges for these people that are like big uh crazy temples and stuff and if he were to go axe throwing with a friend it just seems outside of his wheelhouse right now as of now it i mean it's it, it's hard to say because you could say hypothetically anyone could enjoy axe throwing anyone can enjoy axe throwing and i bet maybe he'll um maybe he'll take stella 
with him yeah because like that's the only other person that seems to put up with his bullshit right i now. don't think i don't think she would like it though she'd you don't be think like she would? oh mm. Mm. she would pretend to <laughs> she'd pretend to and then she'd be like oh axe tossing yeah great well axe tossing is when you've got some like axes on your bed and then you just move them to the other side of your room because like oh i'll clean it up later right you're yeah, tired axe throwing is a distinguished celtic sport yeah, I think I I can't in, I can't see her enjoying doing either one. Okay. Uh yeah, I I'm at a bit of a loss as to what else we can say about this episode. I kind of am too, which is weird because I did enjoy this episode a lot, but it's just one of those like very straightforward episodes. You want to just, just hang out? Yeah, let's just hang out. Okay. This is pretty good. Yeah, do anything later today? Um, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my sister had a baby. Cool. Yeah, that's fun. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're a triple uncle now, right? That's true, yeah. Um, this is the third one. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this kid turns out. Why, what does that mean? Well, just because the other two my sister had have kind of developed their own little personalities. They've they've really developed into people. This one's been a person for a day. So, you know, they're kind of new to it and haven't really gelled with any hobbies yet. Yeah, like, imagine asking someone what their favorite color is. And instead of them saying, like, oh, I don't know if I have one. They say, like, I've not seen colors before. <laughs> I don't uh, know what color is. And yeah, like and they're, they've they're seen not them. blind. They're they're yeah. looking and seeing them, but they like they don't. I don't know. I just they don't, don't know what I'm seeing. Yeah, they've just been. They've only just been introduced to the concept of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, babies are are wild that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I mean. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what kind of person they grow into. Oh, and uh, my little nephew, uh, his birthday is in. Uh, like a week and a half, and I know what I'm gonna get him. Ooh, does he listen to the show? <laughs> no, but he could. Well, then in the you can future. say so. Yeah, no one I know listens to this show, so it's okay to spoil it. Um, okay. they have they have these like uh, they're not like Legos, but they're like little construction kits of Pokemon you can put together. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Those are cool. Yeah, I don't know the exact name of them, but uh, they have one of Charizard. And Charizard's his favorite. He's never played a Pokemon game, but he's, like, aware of what Pokemon is. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, he got, for Christmas, one of his gifts was a Pokemon coloring book. And the first one he wanted to color was Charizard, because it's his favorite. Um, So I'm getting him a Charizard, one of those, and he loves Legos. And I figured, you know, these aren't Legos, but it's still the same concept of building a thing. And it's something he likes, so I feel like that would be cool. Have you, um... Uh, or, or how old is he? Uh, could he, he play a Pokemon game? He will be turning six. He's. I feel like he's only just starting to learn how to read. So I feel like he he could probably play it with like someone helping him. Although I introduced him to video games not that long ago. We've been playing Mario Odyssey together. Mm-hmm. And so he's like kind of learning just how video games work. Like moving he's constantly asking like how do i make him jump forward 
and I'll just say, you know, hold, hold, hold that stick forward and press this button at the same time and he'll do it. But, uh, you know, he's a little kid. He's not going to be that good at it. Maybe starting him out with a 3d platformer is not the smartest. Maybe I should have started like a 2d one. Cause when I was a kid, I started with like Mario brothers and my first video game I owned was Sonic two. I feel like those are just, like, a little easier to grasp if you start on, like, a 2D plane. You just have to worry about going left and right. So maybe I'll play some of those with them. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Like, my first games... Well, my first first games were some, like, humongous adventure games for the PC that, um, like, I played on my dad's computer. But Those seem like easy ones to grasp. Yeah, but like I, I wasn't playing games at that time. It was really right. when when I was like four or so. Uh, mm-hmm. My grandpa got a Nintendo sixty four, and we played a bunch of uh, like Mario and Banjo. And right. um, so, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess I did start with three D platformers, and then also very soon after that, I got a Game Boy Color uh, and and played some Gen one Pokemon. And it's it, it's interesting with those because like in theory. Yes, they're very, very hard for kids to, like, just completely grok, especially if they can't read everything. Uh But on the other hand, we did. (laughs) Like, Pokemon was huge with exactly five-year-olds, right? Like, I I feel like it's because kids can learn, like, a hell of a lot in just those, like, few years. Because, like, my nephew only just started school not that long ago, and he's not, like... And we only just started playing video games not that long ago, too. I feel like within, like, a couple years, he'll be able to do it, like, no problem. But right now, he's, like, just being introduced to, like, the basic concepts, so. Well, similarly, like, I don't think... When I was playing Gen 1 Pokemon in, like, kindergarten, Mm -hmm. I I definitely didn't beat it, you know? Right. Like, it was just fun to walk around and look in my party and see that, oh, I've got some guys. Right. Um, and I think that, like, like if you saw a kid doing that, you might think, like, oh, well, they don't really know how to play, which is true. But on the other hand, like, they they like that. So so success is maybe not the metric of success yeah, that should I be mean, looked at with kids yeah, playing games. That's how I'm feeling about Mario Odyssey. Like, he'll just do, like, a bunch of jumping around. Perfect. He'll, he'll, like, maybe fall down a pit. And that's fine, you know? I I just want him to learn how it works. I'm not going to tell him, no, kid, you're doing this wrong. Hand the controller over to me. I'll do it. No, I I want him to get used to being able to move and jump at the same time and just explore. And, And he loves it. He has a great time just doing that and, like, running around. And that's great. That's awesome. Um, And, you know, if he wants to progress, he'll be like, can you do this part for me? And I'm like, glad I will happily do this for you. And I'll hand it back to you when you feel like you want to play again. That's nice. Yeah. I I think that Mario Odyssey is just so good for for every group of players. Because, like, I played it and I loved it. Uh, Yeah. Great game. Um, the controls feel great. I love the, uh, the, the varying vistas. I like how they're kind of playing around with like what Mario characters can and should look like. Yeah, um, totally. I like the, the structure change on top of what the Mario 64 foundation is, but like it keeps mm-hmm. a lot of that foundation that worked great game. But at the same time, like I, I can imagine 20 years from now, uh, 
Mario Odyssey is going to be held up as like, oh man, the, the, my childhood game, the best game of all time, Mario Odyssey. Yeah, um, like if you played this as a kid, it it's even as an adult, I'm like, it's kind of hard for me to think of like better 3D platformers. Like it, it's just a matter of taste. But for me personally, like I love the Banjo games. I would still say I prefer those, but I wouldn't say they're like, better games i guess it, it yeah yeah i mean to banjo's credit those games are like now uh 26 and 24 years old yeah so uh th- the fact that they're even in contention with a game that's only uh just over six years old is um a, a huge kudos to them and, totally. and really <laughs> i guess kind of a sign that maybe we haven't come very far with this franchise maybe it hasn't <laughs> gotten enough uh entries in order to be uh like experimented in enough compared to something mm-hmm. like action adventures or rpgs which have uh completely changed uh and, right. and developed and improved and uh become more specific in like different subgenres within that genre mm-hmm. yeah but yeah mario Mar- because uh like paper mario the thousand year door is is sort of over the last five years or so i i've felt it going through this process of um it was liked when it came out, for sure. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I remember like reading the IGN review of Thousand Year Door, where the the um, like the main takeaway was, yeah, it was pretty good. It was very similar to the first one, though, and uh, I think maybe it focused a little bit more on being cute and having like fun little interactions than it did on actually making the game good. And I. I can see where they're coming from, especially like if if I put my adult brain back and, and try to think, how would I now have experienced that game for the first time as a kid? Right. Uh, when it actually came out. But I, I also think it's missing the forest for the trees. And I, I think history is kind of proving me right a little bit there because now there's so many people coming out and saying like, you did not correctly appreciate Thousand Year Door uh, <laughs> when it was originally new. Uh, this is maybe one of the best RPGs of all time, and uh, it, it is not talked about in those in that way. Uh, right now, I mean, now that the kids who are growing up are, are getting to say it. That said, the kids growing up getting to say those things are often incorrect, uh, <laughs> and, and just sort of remembering how things were as kids because we tend to forgive things more as. I kids. mean, that's how it's always gonna like every generation is like that, like. The Donkey Kong series, remember how there was that backlash against Donkey Kong Country for a while? And then after that, you had the wave of people saying, oh, no, Donkey Kong Country rules. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, But and, you know, I don't want to say like, like, I love the Donkey Kong Country games, but. You know, maybe it's possible for fans to maybe overinflate how good some things are sometimes. Like, the first Donkey Kong Country is maybe not the best game in the world. But um, yeah. I think about, like, that same generation who was like, oh, Donkey Kong Country sucks. That's not Donkey Kong. What are you talking about? That generation also grew up on, like, arcade Donkey Kong and, like, Mario Brothers and stuff. And I don't give two fucks about those, but they did. And I f- it's it's just comes in waves. You're going to get the wave of people who like a thing. And then the people who didn't like that thing will sp- be old enough to start voicing their opinion. And then the people who grew up with them will grow up and voice their opinion. But I feel like once you get to that second wave of appreciation, it never really goes away. Because those I guess people so. are adults. 
Well, yeah, yeah. I think now, now that this like to to use Thousand Year Door is sort of the example here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that there's been this resurgence of appreciation, and especially now that during that resurgence of appreciation, we're getting a a, a remaster of it for Switch. Uh-huh. Um, now, now we are kind of cementing like, oh yeah, this is good. People know that about this game now. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that is going to go away. There are some things though that that like sometimes when people who grew up on a thing are saying, hey, this is this wasn't appreciated enough. It is actually true. And sometimes uh, it's like, okay, man, I mean, I get that you like it and that's very cool, but this is clearly a nostalgic thing for right. you more than it is actually a very good thing. Right. Um, and, you know, that's fair, too. Some, And, yeah. you know, you're, oh, yeah. you can totally I mean, love it actual even if it's experiences. not great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's plenty of games I like that are just not that great. Um, South Park Rally for the N64 is one that gets just people hate that game i see it like constantly on like worst nintendo 64 kart racers lists ever and i like it i i i don't know it just kind of worked for me i grew up with it but i can recognize its faults yeah uh, um another one where i think it's like sort of the other category where if if thousand year door is proving itself and like turning people's heads like oh this actually is a very very great game Mm -hmm. uh maybe the other camp is like the Star Wars prequels, where right. there's a ton of people now that love, love, love those movies, even though at the time they were uh, ridiculed and lambasted, and um, long after their time, even like during the Disney uh, buyout of Star Wars, the initial reaction from people was like, "Oh, thank God, we're gonna have some some uh, better made Star Wars movies." And for the first few of those Disney movies, that actually was the popular take. Still, yeah. Um, and but now we've got this like resurgence of people who grew up on the Star Wars prequels, and I I count myself as someone who grew up on the Star Wars prequels. Uh, but like the 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 sort of like YouTube thumbnail style defense of people didn't appreciate or uh, underrated the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> good actually. <laughs> good actually. Phantom Menace. Good actually. And. Uh, <laughs> It's like no, it, it's still not good, but yeah, like like you 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 can say you can talk about parts of it because I I think we're always only talking about parts of the things that we're talking about rather than the whole. Yeah, uh, like when you talk about hey, I love those Star Wars prequels, I'd be like, did you love the settings? Because I love the settings. I think the settings are very well done, very cool um, science fantasy planets in those movies. Um, what else? What else do you like? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, there, there's, there's a, there's got to be some sort of like interaction with larger populations when I, I think you think about those uh, kinds of opinions that are coming back in in uh, in popular resurgence. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. On on the other spectrum. I was just talking to uh, my roommate Adam about this the other day because he just recently got done replaying uh, ukulele for the first time in a few years. And uh, he liked it less than he did back then even. But it just reminded me of uh, when it first came out. Did he not like it a lot at at the time? I don't know his feelings on it. Yeah, didn't like it at the time, but he thought he would like it a little more now and he ended up not 
he ended up liking it even less this time, which, you know, totally fair, but it reminds me of, uh, back when it first came out and people were reviewing it and not liking it. And I remember, I, I think it was Kotaku, but I think it was like a few people in general saying like, uh, ukulele was so bad. Were the banjo games actually never good? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't think that's how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's like seeing one painting use purple. It sucks. Like, man, I thought I, I liked think purple. Purple paintings. just might be the worst. Purple might be a bad color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When um, we said we're just going to hang out and talk about other stuff, we really did that for like fifteen minutes. I'm having fun, and it's it's not to the detriment of this episode. Like, I want to. I I just want to make it clear. This I enjoyed this episode a lot, actually. But there really just isn't that much to say about it but i'm having fun just chatting with my good friend mitchell oh thanks dustin yeah i'm having fun too what else you want to talk about (laughs) um what games have you been playing lately uh besides this one (laughs) yeah chance of sinar was the uh, the game of the month for my uh my irl san diego game of the month club that i do with my friends you were talking about not liking the name of it I don't like the name of it, no. <laughs> um, w- well, yeah. It, there's there's like four different problems with the name Chance of Sinar. Right. Um, one, you would think, oh, I'm going to find out what Sinar is if I play this game. <laughs> no. The, Sinar the never comes up? Sinar is never brought up once. Awesome. Um, yeah, if you look up Sinar, uh, which is spelled... S-E-N-N-A-A-R, which is not what you would assume, right? Right. Um, Yeah, so that's problem number two. You don't know how to spell it. Uh, If you, like, just tell someone, hey, I was playing this cool game, Chance of Sonar. Chance is a homophone. It's it's C-H-A-N-T-S, like the plural of chant, and not chance as in probability. Um, And then you don't know how to spell Sonar. If you look up Sonar, you find out that it's like an old, ancient Greek transliteration of uh, the word shinar, which is a word that was sometimes used in biblical times to refer to southeast, uh, like Mesopotamia, around where the kingdom of Babylonia was. Okay. So that's incredibly pretentious. (laughs) Because you could call it Shinar or you could call it Babylonia. Uh, the, the game itself is set in the Tower of Babel, like the, the Bible story, the Tower of Babel. Right. Um, so you could call it Tower of Babel. Uh, you could just call it Babel. You could call it the Tower. You could you call it they, Languages of Babel. Do you think they didn't call it that specifically because they didn't want to turn off people with uh, something uh, a little more religion-based? Like, Do you think they felt like that would t- uh, turn some audience people away? Yeah, I don't know, because, like, on the one hand, it is about the Tower of Babel, so, like, if that turns people away, they won't, they wouldn't have liked the game. Uh, right. But, but also, it's uh, it's not, like, a completely biblically informed story in, in terms of, like, as you go higher and higher in the tower, uh, you see more weirder stuff, like, that... The, the the game developers made up for the story that that did not originate in the Bible story, and it really doesn't have anything to do with 
God or the Bible or anything. It's not a religious story. Right. It's it's a story about languages because in in the in the Tower of Babel story the the that's when other languages that people speak debuted on Earth. Uh, <laughs> God got upset that they built such a high tower, so he uh, confused the languages and made people unable to talk to each other, so they couldn't keep building because they couldn't cooperate. That was the How idea. Mean. Yeah, yeah. One one of his little tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of his little goofs. Yeah, so your your role in the story is like you're going up and you're learning every language and you're like helping people talk to each other. Um, and it kind of plays like a point-and-click adventure where instead of finding inventory items, you find meanings of words. Interesting. Yeah, and then like you use those to, uh, like on the spot, actually try your best to translate what you're seeing. Um, and you need to make judgment calls of like, Oh, well, this language uh, seems to put nouns twice in a row a lot. Maybe that's just how they do plurals. Um, but then this other language like uses a symbol and then the word to make a plural. Um, mm-hmm. and, and oh, and this other language seems to be typing their sentences backwards. So it reads right to left. So you you just need to like you actually have to figure some of it out, which is which is pretty cool. Um, that's cool. I like that sounds uh, like a very unique idea. Yeah, I think it, it, it breaks apart a little bit, just a little bit. It's still a very fun game, and I would recommend it. But um, it, it breaks apart a little bit where it asks you to confirm that you understand the meaning of some glyphs. And usually I had a good idea of what they meant when that uh, prompt would come up to confirm their meaning. But mm-hmm. sometimes I didn't, and then at that point it was just guess and check. And then you can brute force the puzzles really easily. Um, and like at that point I, I stopped feeling like I was translating anything and it stopped feeling like it was about language. So that was a bit of a, a, a bummer when that would happen in the game. Cause that's it, too bad. It feels like the whole rest of the game is very focused. And, and then that bit feels like an unfocusing. Do you think they just like ran out of time to put more thought into it? No, I think it's a, a genuinely difficult problem to solve. Cause the alternative is that you can never confirm what things are right um and that would that would upset people that would upset people (laughs) um i think it is like if they were just kind of being a little braver about it and they didn't mind uh losing a couple of players to make the thing a bit more powerful right i I think they should have gone for it but um i get you yeah well i'm it sounds like you enjoyed it overall though I enjoyed it overall. I would recommend That's it. I, I would recommend it to anyone who's interested in, um, like new takes on puzzle adventure games. Yeah, I, that sounds like something I'd want to give a try at some point. Sure. Yeah, I think you'd like it. Yeah. Yeah. What you've been playing? You've been playing uh, Lost and Random, and you've really liked it. You've been uh, oh, evangelizing man. it. I have not felt this way about a video game in a long time. Like I just head over heels in love with this game. And I'm every time I bring it up, I'm really worried I'm I'm overselling it because it also seems like a game that could easily just not appeal to other people. Like I have I have a friend who started it and then they just hated the combat so much that they never picked it up again. And that that was too bad, but I get it. I I don't want to say it's like for everyone, but for me it really worked. Um it's so it's about a 
a girl who lives in like this Tim Burton-esque styled world, weird creatures, uh, very whimsically dark, uh, like, like a dark fairy tale. And, uh, her sister gets kidnapped by the queen of the world. Um, and so she has to save her and, uh, you use a, you have like a companion who's like a walking little, uh, die, uh, and you toss the die and roll a certain number and whatever number you roll, um, is how many points you can use for like, uh, cards. You have like a deck of cards. And so like, let's say you roll a five, you have five points to use on any cards in your hand. So you can like, uh, let, let's say like the sword card is like one point. So you can use one point to give yourself a sword to attack these other guys. And so like, there's a lot of combat sections like that, but there's also a lot of just like side quests and a lot of exploring the world and just talking to characters with really uh, fun dialogue, like really fleshed out NPCs. And it, it just really landed for me. And boy, do I love it. Uh, That's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, I I'm tr- I'm really trying not to just replay it again because I I made a promise to myself that I just wanted to focus on my backlog. Like I didn't want to replay any games right now. Um, so after that, I started playing Sackboy for uh, the PS5, which just has been just real quick, good. so I I can put this out there. Just okay. full disclosure: uh, Lost in Random is an EA game. And I work at EA and am not officially uh, <laughs> endorsing nor uh, re- rejecting any part of it. You know, just putting that out there so yeah. people understand. Uh, yeah, that had where, nothing where to do with the opinions of this podcast are coming from. Yeah, I didn't know it was EA when I bought it. And when I did know it was EA, I totally forgot you worked for EA. So <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes. Yeah, but now I've been playing Sackboy, and it's been pretty good. Um, a little frustrated. It, it's one of those games that, like, it starts out pretty easy, but then as it goes, it gets more difficult, which is fine. You know, that's how a game should be. But it's gotten to the point where I found myself just getting more frustrated with it. Where, like, I'll be on, like, one level for, like, 45 minutes. Because they have challenges like, uh, stay alive the whole time, or collect this many collectibles, find all these things. And it gets frustrating, A, because I don't like replaying a game like like a level multiple times, like all mm-hmm. in a row. And it is on me. I could just choose to not do that. Um, but, you know, also, I don't want to have to come back and replay this level again later. I don't want to like, OK, I went through the game once. Now I have to go through the whole game again to get everything. Um, So it gets a little frustrating, but I'm having fun with it. It's very uh visually. uh fun and great music um it plays a lot like uh, mario 3d world which i like but don't love i'm not like the biggest fan in the world of it but i still have a good enough time with it um mario 3d world is one of the best mario games for like being really casual about playing something yeah it, maybe my that feeling would be about a... 3d world yeah i i think that's a great way to describe it because it, it is just kind of uh, I don't want to call it basic because obviously it's a very well put together design game, but there just isn't that much to it beyond, oh, you have to get through a level from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And if you want, collect the collectibles in it. And that's totally fine. But I, I feel like for me personally, it's it doesn't always hold my attention. You ever play 3D World in co-op? 
A little bit, yeah, and that does make it more fun. I feel like that might be a good one to play with my nephew. Maybe I... Yeah, yeah. A, A, because there's not... Like, with 3D, or with Odyssey, there's, like, so many little objectives, so many little, like, movement things you can do, like tossing your hat at these guys, and then they mix up how you play that. With 3D World, it's just you're jumping and running, and you stay alive and get to the end. So maybe that would be good for both of us. I play that with him, and he can kind of get a grip on a game that's a little less demanding, and I'll get a little more out of it playing it with him and just seeing how much he's enjoying it. Yeah, I played through 3D World uh, entirely from front to back with my my roommate Kyle in college, and that was a great, like, co-op experience, and I think part of what made it a great co-op experience is because it's just a very simple experience which uh-huh um like if i wasn't trying to share the time with another person and i was asking like the video game to fill the time i think that is where it starts to feel like a less interesting mario game than like a lot of the other ones that come out right like, like it, it's not as good in its simplicity or purity as something like um mario 3 or mario 64 and it's not as interesting and developed as mario world or mario odyssey um but it does have the best co-op in any mario game um right just because it really feels like everyone is at least allowed to be the main character to a degree and um it feels like a full mario game it doesn't feel like an experiment either um yeah that's I, I've, I've been, like, coming to terms with how I feel about 3D World because it's, there's parts of it, and I think, really, it's, it's like, the memories of how it was, what it was like to go through it co-op and, like, have a, a group of friends play it uh, that feels like some of the best Mario times I've ever had. But then other times, like, if I go back right now and I, I go through 3D World, like, oh, this is um, pleasant enough, but it's pretty, you know... Yeah, Pretty smooth, smooth in uh, almost a, a derogatory use of the word smooth. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if he'll uh, get a lot of out of it out of it because we'll be playing it together rather than because like with Odyssey, it's OK, I'm going to let you play. You can hand it back to me whenever you feel like it's too intense. You want me to do it for you. And, and that works fine. But maybe playing it together like both of us at the same time, uh, maybe you'll like that more. I'll I'll try that next time. Good idea, Mitchell. Yeah. Um thanks. I have those. I like it when I have a good idea. You know what um, I also think is a good idea? Segments? Doing our segments. Okay, yeah, let's <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we really I feel disrespectful. I I, I do like too I've because I like this episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I I it sucks that I'm kind of slagging it off, but there it there really just isn't that much to say about it other than yeah, it was a good little prison break story. It feels like something that's going to be re- uh, referenced with power in the next two episodes of this season. Yeah. It's, it's going to be um, useful in telling the story, but it's a middle chapter in which middle chapter things happen. Exactly. It's it's here to connect to the bigger things. What was your golden moment? My golden moment is Ox Blood's song. That's yeah, just my so too. Good. My too. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, my it, best it, friend. <laughs> yeah and and like i thought this episode was good like i'd put it in like the upper collection of minecraft episodes but just you know that's the moment that made me laugh but this episode has a lot of nice little moments like i liked the whole escape at the end it, it was yeah 
exciting enough. Uh, yeah, the fight with the the three headed ghast was. Uh, oh, that was good. I I had a so there was a three headed ghast in the maze that like guards the end where Jesse finds the entrance to below the bedrock, and mm-hmm. uh, I I wrote down in my notes like Jesse's come a long way. J- J- Jesse's jumping around taking down giant monsters. Yeah, he just chose to. He's like, no one else come up here. I got this. You guys don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool. It was a cool little scene. Uh, I like that it starts you off just reflecting the fireballs at it, but then you got to actually start running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a runner-up, but it's definitely the Jeff song. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I, I really do wish Ox Blood got to stay. And he's just on the subject. He's also my weekly guy. Not just oh, okay. because of this scene, but I, you know, he is just Hellboy, but I liked seeing this in this Minecraft setting. I was like, oh, just because he looks like Hellboy doesn't mean he doesn't, he isn't, uh, he doesn't look different in this setting. Like, he's totally different from anyone else here right now. Yeah, I mean, Hellboy doesn't have a mushroom, so yeah, he's exactly. different in that way. Like, I liked his whole deal he had going on, um, but, you know, the stuff with the admin, uh, What's her name? What's the name of uh, Prisoner X? Zara. Zara. That's it. Yeah. Uh, she was kind of interesting. You know, she's kind of a jerk. She tricks you into leaving uh, Nurm or a llama. But uh, she does, like, save Jesse during the escape. Yeah. Uh, but my... she also kills the warden. That feels yeah. like <laughs> kind of a a move that, like, if this were Walking Dead, it would be like, you are the um, Lily of this group yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my so weekly it, guy is the warden. Okay, yeah, the warden's very good too. Uh, strong. Pre- the warden's a strong character because you do get that sense of like, oh, he also does not want to be here, but he's really getting into the role. They don't get into it too much, but I feel like they do a good job, and like his vocal performance is good. Yeah, this is like I, I think it's a subversion on a trope a little bit what they do with uh, the warden, mm-hmm. where the warden is conflicted. He feels conflicted about, like, having to run this prison because he himself has to stay there, too. He's a prisoner also. Yeah. Um, But uh, he's been put in charge of the place. And, like, he knows that if he steps out of line, he's going to be punished by the admin. So he just does despicable things, like, trying to keep everyone in line. I think he was going to kill Radar. Um, Like, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he was going to, like, suffocate him in that thing. But he is conflicted about it, I guess. And I think the subversion, like the the normal trope would be this person eventually becomes courageous enough enough to uh, help out the main character, probably sacrifice their life in doing so and saying, now, run, run. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he doesn't do that. He's he's too weak. I I think it's a much more um, realistic for like what this kind of character would do in this situation. Like, well, if you've been uh too cowardly to own up to your mistakes up till now you still will be right uh right and like he's he's just a weak person and the way that that's written i I think is pretty impressive uh from like a character building standpoint yeah totally it it's not even like the same case but it kind of reminds me of how um in Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 4, it seems like you're really going to build up Sarah to kind of get over her deal and, like, be brave and tough it out. But no, she just dies. She just, like, falls off a balcony. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And that sucks. It felt really bad with Sarah because it's like, well, what the fuck? That sucks. But I think for a character like the Warden who you haven't grown that attachment to, it's like it it really works. Yeah, the, the character uh, was designed to be here for just this episode. Yeah, and you you appreciate it more with a character where you're not that attached to them. You don't really care to see them overcome where they're at. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just like their purpose is they couldn't. You've seen that this is a character who just couldn't rise above it. And that it part of why it works is because you don't see it very often. I feel like in Telltale stories, like, like you said, it is a subversion of the trope. Mm -hmm. Um, choice cut. It's gotta be the gosh. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what, what the hell else could it be? What a silly choice. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's an easy choice. Obviously you're going to save the guy, but the, the fact that they put you in this scenario, (laughs) it's such a Telltaleian choice. It's treated like the big choice. Oh my god, you gotta sacrifice. This is just like Walking Dead, isn't it? Saving Nurm or a llama. I think the reason it comes off a lot sillier than Walking Dead, in addition to the fact that it's a llama, is that like the saving one person over another part of that Walking Dead style choice, I think is very well maintained by Telltale in future games. Mm-hmm. Um, because that part is is here as well and it, it's working. But, like, the other part of that choice is making the situation feel natural and, like, oh, I could be in that situation. That's what makes me care about Jesse making this choice because I'm playing as Jesse and I'm, I'm like, imagining, well, if there was, a, a like, a break-in with an invasion into a store like this and I could save one of the two people, like, in the first episode of Walking Dead, that feels like... It, 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 I mean, it can't happen because it's zombies, right? But, like, you can totally imagine being in that situation. And I yeah. think the the, uh, the asking of the player to imagine themselves in this situation has become a lot heavier. Because <laughs> it is a lot harder to imagine yourself in... Okay, okay, so you're in a prison, but it's, like, under the prison, kind of. And there's a bunch of explosives on top of you, but they're held up in space. And... Uh, you can step on any of the panels, and there can be any number of people here, but uh, someone has to step on the panels. And uh, you can't just put something heavy on the panels. It has to be a it person. It has to be a person. <laughs> like, okay, well, I mean, what are... You, 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 the game, want me to kill this fucking llama at this point. That's <laughs> that's what you're you're implying here. I think it's my choice cut just because it's it impacted me the it's most. because so absurd. It's, I, it made me laugh really hard <laughs> yeah, to be no, in this totally. situation. I could just imagine myself in this exact situation in Jesse's shoes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been the episode and also yeah. a lot of other conversations. Yeah. Good. I, I felt like we talked about a lot of important points today. Yeah. We, we brought up a lot. Uh, Dustin, where can people find you? We've oh, never we, done we, that. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um. So I am on Twitter, also known as X, I guess. Um, I changed my username since the last time I brought it up, I think. I used to be Amazing DJ Dustin. Now I'm the Flying Dust Man. Oh. Yeah, I just liked it better. I don't I don't like describing myself as amazing in my name. But you're also you also don't fly. That's true. But you know, so this a one's more a play there. on words. 
It it uses words. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm probably somewhere. Uh, yeah, t- same. <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, please subscribe wherever you found this podcast. We are wherever podcasts are found, so you can be notified when we release next week's episode, which of course is going to be season four of se- sorry episode four of season two of Minecraft Story Mode. And until then, have a great summer. Have a great summer, you guys.